0: They are also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Lock Talk Radio.
3: I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio the largest radio social network in the world with your host alan smith a veteran of otr trucking business entrepreneur and the most recognized name for assisting cdl students and new graduates it's time to shut down that big rig. sit back and come join the conversation truth about trucking live begins right now
0: Well, welcome back to the show. Today is Thursday, May 16th, 2013. Hope everyone's having a good week, and we appreciate you tuning in this evening. Our call-in number, if you would like to be a part of the show, 347-826-9170. Alan and Donna Smith as your host, and our special guest this evening is Samuel Burlam. He is the CEO and President of Extreme Energy Solutions, Incorporated, and he also serves as Vice President for Smart Air Fuel Saver, LLC, and Board Secretary for Spirit of the Arts Foundation. And he is author of many articles all across online transportation forums and websites. And he has been interviewed on radio and television, including on Today in America, hosted and narrated by Terry Bradshaw, Uh, Philly CBS News Radio 1060 AM, People of Distinction, hosted by Al Cole, and WIBG 1020 AM News Hurley in the Morning, WTBQ 1110 AM Morning Roundtable, and NTR Radio's Voice of Success program and Cable Visions, the Neighborhood Journal. And he's been featured in many articles, including but not limited in the publication's of uh, the Taxi Insider, the Alternative Press, the Township Journal, Advertiser New South, New Jersey Herald, and it just goes on and on. And one of his latest articles is a three-part series entitled The War on Trucking, linked up in our show description. And we're going to discuss Mr. Burlam's take on all of this for tonight's show, as well as learn more about his interests and concerns for the uh, industry as, the, uh, as he travels extensively, I understand, back and forth to Washington, D.C., as he's heavily involved within regulations of the industry. We'll learn more about what kind of those regulations are with it. And uh, our special guest, Samuel Burlam, as we take a look at his series, The War on Trucking. And Donna, I know you were hustling around. Did you make it?
2: Well, I did, and I'm online, and I just can't pull up the chat room. And I don't know. I go through this every week, I know. But I guess maybe I just have to refresh the screen or something. Yeah,
0: maybe refresh it. And uh, also, you said that I guess he was going to call in from 570? Yes. Okay, I don't have that up there, but I have a 973, which is New Jersey. So uh, we'll come back after this break and see if that is him. He might have been calling from a different number. But, well, I'm glad you made it. I was wondering there for a second if you were going to be there on time. I'm here. You're here. So, okay, Samuel Burlam, our guest, the war on trucking, all coming up on Truth About Trucking Live.
3: You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back.
0: Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours. Not a lease plan under one truck and company. So, if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of ZADA, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers drivers, owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com. And you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology Platform. Check them out at XRSCorp.com.
3: This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. dot com. Now, back to the show.
2: Uh, Alan, that was uh, that was Mr. Burlam on the phone. I got a text message from him.
0: Oh, I figured it was because it was a New Jersey number. So, and we're back. So good. We'll welcome our guest, uh, Samuel. Burlam, uh, let me bring him up here. First time on the show, so Samuel, thanks for joining us this evening. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, listen, I I, I know um, Donna spoke with you a uh, few hours or so before the show. I mean, you're a you're a busy guy. I, uh, you know, you have a we have about an hour or so, and I was going to start off the show by sharing your full bio, but realized that if I did, it would take up the entire show. So. I mean, you're you're really into a lot of ventures, including very active in Washington D.C. Like I said, concerning the industry regulations that I assume deal mostly with emission controls. But just just share a little a uh, little more about yourself and what all you do for those listening who may not know.
1: Sure, um, you know I, most people think that uh, you know this some big corporate outfit and. Uh, What's really interesting is I actually grew up around the trucking industry. My father was an owner-operator for most of his life, uh, started out with Ligon, uh, which later became Landstar as an owner-operator. Uh, in 1979, he led up a uh, a charge against New York City, where all the owner-operators pretty much closed down the GW Bridge uh because of the tolls and all the extra taxes and fees and they won their case uh and then uh he later ended up going to work for wakefern uh which is associated with a supermarket called shop right here in the east coast and so you know being in that lifestyle uh as a kid in the middle of the console uh seeing windshield time instead of playing little league and uh, having to deal with the economics of that and the health issues of that uh <clears throat> you know became a concern for me as i uh, entered into the fuel economy and emissions industry uh for a transportation market, so you know keeping the the average truck driver in mind uh one of the things that we now lead up is a tax provision that will uh bring the freedom of choice back for Owner operators and small trucking uh, organizations that uh, that want to become compliant, that want to be able to utilize what best suits their needs instead of utilizing some antiquated equipment that's pretty much shoved down their throat through regulation, and you know the cost of what is forced upon them for some smaller owner operators and smaller family-owned uh, trucking establishments. They just can't afford that equipment, and so it kind of really puts in an unfair advantage for the small business owner in this country. And, of course, you know, if it wasn't for a lot of the owner-operators, we would all be held hostage to very high uh, rates from the larger uh, Fortune 500 trucking companies, and there's not many of those left that are family-owned. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's only one of them left that is a coast-to-coast carrier, that's still family-owned, and we we have a good relationship with that entity. So, you know, I, I grew up around the industry. uh, decided I wanted to further myself in a different avenue than what my, my father chose, and uh, I started getting involved in automotive racing. And many of the uh, skill sets and a lot of the talent that was developed amongst our core friends with that organization – we're able to trans, uh, transfer a lot of that talent into uh, into the streets and helping uh, folks in the transportation market to become compliant without the high cost, be able to, to, again, give them the freedom of choice, be able to alleviate some of the cost of, uh, of becoming compliant and bringing a lot of other issues to the table that they may not be aware of. And uh so, I started taking interest in this, and when we had an opportunity with the one business to work with a lot of fleet owners and managers and drivers, you know they were sharing all of their concerns about what's actually happening in in uh in the uh, realm of regulation what's happening under law and so we decide i decided as a investigative reporter to kind of compile all this data. And, and really earmark the top pieces so that people can see what the arguments are and be able to also address it with good ideas that will bring it to resolve.
0: Well, now, and, and and what business is this that you're talking about as far as the compliance assistance?
1: Well, they're, you know, um, under the EPA National Diesel Retrofit Campaign uh, called Stop the Soot, there was one company that came into play that wrote regulation with EPA and basically has held a monopoly on this arena where now EPA is mandating every big rig to have what they call a diesel particulate filter, which is nothing more than a very, very expensive catalytic converter that uh, requires a lot of maintenance and extra upgrades. And so <clears throat> that retrofit on average – uh, anywhere from 10000 to $30,000 for the average truck, depending on your make model. And our company started to look at the real source of the problem is not the emissions. That's an after effect. We started looking at the real issue is the uncombusted fuel. So if you can better burn the fuel upon combustion at the very source of the problem, there is no need for those expensive tailpipe retrofits. So we kind of co-developed and co-created some technologies, a uh, leading product called Smart Emissions Reducer, and aiding in this um, in giving options to the marketplace, which were a fraction of the cost compared to the competition. And so we started to uh, do the process of getting it in instituted in municipalities. And, of course, we came under some uh, criticism and, and told, hey, you're not on this special list. Uh, that EPA has, so uh, you're not viable. And of course, the only thing that's ever qualified on the special list was this very expensive retrofit. So we find that a lot of fleets and fleet owners are held hostage, and that violates their constitutional right of freedom of commerce. You know, our perspective here is that these civil agencies with police power should be creating a standard in which Uh, emissions reduction should be met and then the free market should be able to come in and deliver the solutions and the fleet managers and vehicle owners should have the freedom to decide what best works for them because it's not a one case one size fits all scenario every fleet is different every usage is different every route is different every driver is different so we're fighting on the behalf of freedom of choice Uh, And if we can usher in the freedom of choice through a voluntary incentive program, then that's going to bring this argument to the forefront and hopefully help our fellow uh, transportation providers out there to to have an alleviated cost.
0: And and I guess this is, you're talking about this, is also in correlation with uh, uh, your extreme energy solutions. And that's and that's on the web at ExtremeEnergySolutions.net, is that correct? That's correct. Well, because I knew you were in stock car racing, and you're into so many things, and I tell you, I started following you a while back, and reading your articles, and watching, you know, kind of watching you, and sitting back, and and I asked Donna, oh, about a month or so ago, I said, hey, you you know the Samuel Burlam guy, and, and she wasn't quite for sure, she'd heard of you, and, you know, seen you a little bit, but... I said, "Look, you really need to you need to look at look this guy over. I mean, this this guy's pretty amazing. You're in, you're into a, uh, just a lot of things." And I said, "Look, get on there and read read his uh war on trucking three-part series." And um Donna, you recently did that and you were just kind of blown away. Oh, where's she at?
2: Oh, here I am. There you are. All right. I'm sorry. I keep the mute button on because of the dog.
0: But when you finally – you were looking at that series we're going to talk about and
2: – Yeah, you, I was like um, just
0: – You were kind of jaw-dropped.
2: I know. I felt like I wanted your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what it is. When, when we um, – when you read things like that, you realize the passion behind somebody and, you know, the convictions they have about what they do. And it comes through in the writing. And, of course, if, if you know anything about us, which I'm sure you do, uh, you know that, that that's part of what we are is the passion behind the things we do. So I think that's what really grabbed me more than anything, and I really appreciate that. Um, I printed out all your articles. So. I, I have uh, quite a bit of work to do here. I've skimmed over them, but I really want to get into them because they're extremely... And I suggest I put the links in on the chat room um, for parts one and two and three. And um, I've also posted them up on Facebook. So I strongly suggest uh, to everyone to read these articles.
0: Yeah, and they're also linked up on our show's description. And, uh, again, your uh, your website, too, on this uh uh, Extreme Energy, Extreme Energy net. and uh um, I mean you um I mean you were you pretty impressive. I mean you you were an invited speaker for the World Green Energy Symposium in Washington DC. Tell us a little bit about that real quick.
1: Sure. Uh World Green Energy Symposium is a worldwide forum where they bring industry experts, regulators, inno- uh, innovators and inventors uh People that from schools of thought kind of get all together in one setting and really hash out a lot of these issues through a um, question and answer presentation uh, that outlines some of the major moving targets in the green industry around energy, economic, and environmental sustainability and so uh, we were identified by a gentleman. Mr. Robert, uh, Professor Robert Gallagher, who is their executive chair, uh, that identified our technology uh, through all the word of mouth and uh, from searching online. And and they happened to see our technology was implemented both in the private sector and in government uh, pilot programs. And we kind of broke a, a, a wall in the fuel economy industry, never really been done before and that is in the fact that we allowed people to, to perform discovery before they even put any money on the table to buy the product. So these pilot projects, what we would do is we go and select a series of vehicles, put our product on it, monitor the results. At the end of 90 days or 120 days, we would generate a report. And during this time, we would get to know the fleets and their concerns and all the different things that they had to deal with. Uh, and we were able to to refine our process and our technology uh, so that by the time the trial was done, the return on investment pretty much paid for the product, so it made it practically free. And so the numbers crunchers and bean counters of these entities sat down and scrambled all the numbers and looked at the bottom line and said, hey, this thing, you know, their innovation works. Uh, They're willing to put their money where their mouth is. They're real time folks. They have an understanding of the industry. They come from both the innovation space and the competitive space, not just the, from the space of commerce. So, by getting all this collective data and and uh, uh, testimonials, uh, I was asked to come in and share about uh, share about our technology and how it's really a proactive approach <clears> on <throat> dealing with a lot of our. Uh fossil fuel usage concerns and deal with things in a very affordable manner, so I was asked to give a small lecture about transportation solutions, <clears throat> and at the end, we were approached by many many entities that are now starting to institute our product.
0: Well, one thing that caught my eye um and you're you're probably um too humble to mention it but it really caught my eye i mean you speak you've spoken at a lot of places you were in a at a college i believe in new york i don't have it in front of me speaking uh, i think to a business class and a pretty <clears throat> renowned uh college professor there uh referred to you as the next steve jobs so that's not a that's not a small statement
1: yeah i i appreciate mr gallagher or professor gallagher's yeah uh, uh you know commentary he's uh he's been a big fan of ours you know our business model is very proactive uh very humble approach you know even though we do have a very professional uh atmosphere we're very community driven very humble and the technology we we let our products speak for themselves so we try to create a business function where everybody wins and by doing so the only problem you have is being able to keep up with all the flood of business in the door. So, uh, yeah. you know, the the emissions compliance technology that we have currently is only a stepping stone to all the other things that we have uh, in that are coming down the line. You know, we had to start off small uh, because you have to kind of reculture people in the marketplace to, to kind of get rid of the skepticism. You know, when jobs first came out, with his technology, uh, you know, people thought he was nuts and crazy, and, you know, now we have his uh, instruments in our hands every day, and we don't think twice about it. And, right. you know, he started out of a garage, and so did we. It took him 10 years for his uh, platform to make it to mainstream. It only took three years for ours to get where it is today. So, um, and, and I think it's easier today because of the use of, you know, uh, mass communication, social media, and and people are wiser about making choices today. Uh, better, well-educated consumers than they were a few years ago, just because of all the information available.
0: Oh, certainly, and all and all these products you're talking about now. Uh, just so I'm on the same page, this the your products can be found at the ExtremeEnergySolutions.net. That's correct.
2: That's right. Okay. Um, I wanted to um, bring up a a point. Hold on. I've got to get back to the page I was on. Um, If you could explain to our listeners a little bit about the the choices. Uh, You know, there's a lot of compliance. Of course, truckers are used to compliance and regulations and everything. Um, But this diesel campaign, Stop the Soot, campaign under the supervision of the epa how it's shutting down uh drivers uh people are losing their trucks uh could could you explain to them what's going on with that
0: yeah well we we can kind of we can just ride on ride along in that with your your first part uh the war on trucking emissions compliance which i noticed you uh you published on December twenty fifth, 2012, so you don't even take Christmas Day off. But I guess, Donna, we can just kind of tie that into uh, the part one and get rolling, huh? Well,
2: yeah, well, I, I found that, you know, even with the 25% down, the grant money, only uh, it looks like less than, a little less than 10% of the um, owner-operators.
0: Yeah, well, that was in part two.
2: Okay, was that part two? Okay, well, Yeah.
0: it? Hey, that is, was- it-
1: Uh, that was a part of that program what happened was the stop the silk campaign basically addressed uh, first public sector diesel engines and then it moved into uh, any privately owned diesel engine that served government so garbage trucks school buses and then they started going after the trucking industry so they addressed it at the ports first so if your truck wasn't within a certain year because they felt that if you had an old truck, it wasn't going to be compliant, you could no longer go into the ports. Now, knowing a lot of the owner-operators that my father used to work with, you know, a lot of those guys had trucks that were 10, 15, 20 years old that they would rebuild and fix along the way because doing the intermodal work, you're not making a lot of money. At the end of the day, on an intermodal project, you know, hauling an intermodal out of the port you're lucky to to make 95 cents a mile that's not a lot of money so <clears throat> this campaign started to to uh fisk out all of the owner operators and then what they tried to do to make good for the owner operators that were disadvantaged was to give them 25% down on a new truck and obviously that the truck had to fit certain criteria uh, it had to be a brand new truck it couldn 't be a good used truck, and that was for anybody that had a truck nineteen ninety four or older and so a lot of these owner operators uh, would take the uh, would try to file the application to participate in the program, and most of them even didn't, didn't could not qualify because they couldn 't make the monthly payment, so it was a program destined to fail to weed out the owner's small and mom-pop shops. And so that, to me, was very disappointing. And then on top of that, if you didn't comply with this, EPA would come in with an enforcement action and actually shut down and fine you, <coughs> which I felt was very appalling. So, in essence, EPA became the judge, jury, and executioner. And if you didn't have the money to comply, <coughs> you were out of business. So this was a big issue, and this started actually in New Jersey, my home state. And a part of this program to uh, do these retrofits was $176 million of taxpayer money. That was basically a no-bid process, and uh, and people were, you know, overnight had to uh, either take this particular chunk of money and do what they could or find a mick job somewhere. So... You know, I looked into this, and, and there wasn't any public arena where these truckers were brought in to even talk about it. You know, they didn't even have a voice when these decisions were made. So that was uh, <clears throat> that led me to further investigate into these policies and even interview some of the folks that were uh, affected by these. And, and from our conclusion, most of the owner-operators uh, that we were – Discussing with, pretty much lost their business and had to find other work elsewhere.
0: Well, and and let me correct myself. That is in, in part one emissions compliance. So, uh, and to really kind of boil it down, these uh, the grants for New Jersey ports for these owner operators working out of the ports there. Uh, this twenty five percent down for the new truck, and then th- those who got it ended up couldn't couldn't make the payments because their average monthly payment for that new truck was two grand. And so, to really put it in perspective, based on on your article, 99 of those of the let's see, 99 of the 110 owner operators uh, went out of business. So that, yeah, that, that's yeah, pretty they didn't, amazing.
1: Yeah, they didn't qualify for the money. They couldn't they couldn't make the payment, um, so they pretty much had to hang up their hat and find work elsewhere.
2: Yeah. So wow. So. so the ones that didn't qualify for the twenty five percent down.
1: Yeah, that's ninety nine uh, percent. Uh, ninety nine of the owner operators, they uh, they pretty much had to sell their rigs and and go to work for someone else.
2: Okay. I mean, there's a, a lot of things I want to bring up, and I hate to scatter all over, but... Um,
0: That's okay. I mean, there's a we, we would need three days to I, go over all this. I,
2: I want to ask a question. There's a lot going on with the ports in California um, with the EPA. Uh, you want to touch on that a little bit and kind of, you know, enlighten some of our listeners? Copying
1: the model of what's going on in New Jersey, <clears throat> Cal. California Air Resources Board uh has been kind of following suit where uh you have to comply with all these different emissions regulations as well you have to use the equipment that is you know by their standard only and if you don't you don't have access to the ports so that was kind of part one in starting to filter out the smaller trucking companies from being able to even do business in the port now The ports are considered public domain. And so those owner-operators who are disadvantaged, uh, in essence, shouldn't be uh, discriminated against because of their economic uh, situation. And that's really what's happened. And what's really unique about that situation is that most of the larger companies back the regulation to kind of filter out the – the, the older trucks, because it automatically eliminates a lot of competition. So in essence, between the regulation that CARB and EPA have kind of ushered in, it's uh, it's pinned the big companies against the little companies, against the owner-operators. And when you divide and conquer and you're trying to always buy for this positioning, uh, the industry just kind of gets washed over with even more regulation.
0: You know, all these all these emissions compliance is kind of kind of lets the general public look at the truck driver as you know they're they're really against the environment, but but I mean they're really not. So I mean basically it boils down to all these uh, emission regulations and compliance are just kind of as you put in your article, just kind of and not just truck drivers. You know, you also touched on. Um, this is a problem for the entire industry shippers and, and companies included but all this emission compliance and regulation and everything kind of pushing them toward uh the fiscal cliff to kind of kind of join them within the uh governmental uh, fiscal policies
1: yeah and and it's it's a shame because at the end of the day the general public loses out you know it, it there's less opportunity it discourages, you know, family legacies where uh, from from continuing in the industry, you know, pop and mom are ready to retire, or grandma and grandpa are ready to retire, and they want to foster in a new generation to take over the business, and the youth doesn't want to deal with this. You know, it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's too complex, so they move on to, to other pasture, and so these entities end up having no one to uh, foster a legacy to. And so there's a shortage of drivers because of this. No one is willing to invest the money into uh into upstarts of trucking companies because majority of your money besides the fuel and the equipment <clears throat> isn't labor it's all the keeping up with regulation and With some of this new regulation, even the warehousing and the logistics companies are held accountable if they hire someone who isn't complying with all these um, moving parts. So there's this magnifier, reverse logistics, uh, accountability component that forces a lot of the warehousing and third-party logistics uh, brokers to only hire the companies that can comply fully right out of the gate with all the monetary reward Uh, that they have their their cash ability to to be able to buy either brand-new trucks or go retrofit all their older stuff with what is mandated. And so that that really puts a hurting on the industry because it even takes away the consumer's freedom of choice. Do you want to hire a family practice to deliver your goods as a farmer or as a small manufacturer, or are you only beholden to – the the few top ten major shippers in the country that, you know, pretty much they work together to keep their rates all within reason so that no one's ever losing out on any business. So it, it really, there's multi, multipliers <clears throat> of these policies that really, really destroy uh, our ability to do commerce in this country.
2: I noticed that, um, you know, getting back to CARB, um, I don't know if I should hit on the HOS or, or this CARB thing, but the CCTA, which is the California Con- uh, Construction Trucking Association, is actually in court with CARB stating that it's unconstitutional to mandate someone to give up their property through regulation in the name of progress. So um, do we have an update on that, or is that still going on?
1: Uh, that's still going on. They're still debating... That's actually in the Ninth Circuit Court right now, and the
2: CCA
1: is the only independent trucking association that's not tied to a national organization that's been taking on this fight on behalf of all the smaller uh, commercial truckers in California. And the average owner, the average fleet owner in their organization, may only own five or ten trucks. It's not where they own thousands of trucks. So they've been leading this up, and, and they've been making a lot of uh, headway in the fact that they've got the courts to, to actually look at data and look from it at it at from a constitutional perspective. And so what this ha- has done is it's created a dialogue where now CARB had to go back and start to hold stakeholder meetings and include the truck driver uh, and get their input on what, how can we solve these issues so that the environment gets taken care of, the trucking industry stays intact, people can meet regulation, and everybody wins. So this lawsuit actually created that dialogue to take place. So in essence, it's been very successful.
2: Oh, 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 good. Um, there was another question I had, uh, a statement here. Owner, operators, and critics believe the changes in HOS rules. Main function is to eliminate independent owner-operator 1099 contractors from the equation to get all drivers to become 1040W2 employees. Um, you want to expand? Yeah, it?
0: now this is uh, <laughs> this is getting into part two of drivers unwanted, Um, so uh, basically what I've seen here, Samuel, was uh, in your Part 2 series, it has to do with the new HOS rules that's going to take effect July 1st and uh, uh, legislation that uh, is wanting to reclassify owner-operators as as full-time employees, and I'm assuming that that all is going to tie into the national health care plan.
1: That's correct. Um, what what happened is, uh, looking at all these independent operators that own their trucks, uh, how n- most owner operators actually work with larger shipping entities is they'll lease the truck to uh, to the to the carrier. So if you're an independent for JB Hunt and or even Wakefern, you lease your truck to them, and then you are paid on a ten ninety nine schedule. And of course you. Uh, under their rules, if you want to do work for them, you have to comply with all the uh, HOS rules and you have to you know, take your time off. Well, if they're dictating to you uh, how much time you have to take off and what the rest are and, and they're dictating what the loads look like, it's not like you have choice, you have to take what they give you, then in essence the argument is then they are really a W-2 employee and you're, they're just leasing their property to the uh, to the uh, larger entity. So what's happening is uh, there's this potential consolidation that when you're in that situation where you're leasing your truck to a larger entity or another entity, you actually become a W-2 employee, and this provides 600,000-plus uh, uh, workforce to have to participate in the Obamacare, and so that's been a uh, another contentious point because uh, you know based on how much money an owner operator really takes home and how much money they put in their pocket, you know they're not going to really benefit from having to participate in that, and you know having some more of their take home pay uh, to contribute is going to leave them very little provide for their family. And you know, for most owner operators that do go get their own health plans and their own uh, their own uh, their own health care for their family, you know, they're pretty much considered high risk self-employed, and so those plans are you know anywhere from 800 to 1200 a month to to help their family, and under mm-hmm. Obamacare they actually pay more. So there's this there's this piece that a lot of owner operators are going to have to reconsider their business model. So if they're going to lease their truck, maybe what they may want to do is not lease their truck to that other entity and just raise some of their rates to the other entity and cover all their costs of the truck. And so they're going to have to readjust themselves in order not
0: to fall under this. Well, you even break it down two more. In, in the you know the the wages i always kind of chuckle when i see these ads for truck drivers you know 100,000 a year and and all this kind of stuff i've been writing and talking about for several years but you write it down you write most truck drivers average gross wages average just $41,000 including uh, hourly wages overtime commissions bonuses and profit sharing and when one calculates the average of taxes one contributes currently most drivers only, uh, let me see, only see between twenty-six thousand to thirty-two thousand in take-home pay. So, having to contri- contribute to uh, Obamacare will add an additional burden, upwards of an additional ten to fifteen percent in new taxes, depending on their income bracket. So, uh, I mean, I mean, there's no wonder so many are jumping the gun, or you know, jump jumping off and moving into other things.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's. Um you know again, I grew up around the industry, and i watched my father struggle and you know I watched this guy uh and many of his friends as well you know none of them ever made that kind of money take home a hundred thousand dollars is uh is nowhere near what these guys get at the end of the day. <clears throat> if they're paid by the mile, they have to really hustle to make it by the mile. And that means they've got to break the law and compromise safety to make any real money. And if they're right. paid by the hour, you know, there's only so much time you can get in in a day in order to to get compensated. So, you know, most of these folks, you know, they, they make very, very little money for all the time they spend behind the wheel. They have the shortest lifespan of most of these hard uh, skill, you know, working skill professions, the average truck driver. Uh, dies at 58 to 68 years old. Uh, it, it dies broke. You know that I don't think that's uh, very good for people that move our, the goods around that make our country uh, move while we're sleeping. I think it's awful, and to force them into a situation where uh, the little bit that they have left to provide for their family has to go to a, a program that they don't agree with uh, really uh, really soils. Uh, anybody wanting to go and do this for for a living,
0: and and it's been that way for decades, you know. And I just don't understand how you know the importance of this job to the nation, and this this is how they're treated. And and you know, you talked about you just said mentioned something about not not enough time in the day uh, to earn you know really earn a livable wage, and we're just going to probably see that go more even further down uh, due to the new HOS rules coming up. And uh, let's see, let, yeah, July 1st, so it's right around the corner.
1: Yeah, and that's a shame. Um, you know, if, if they could get rid of some – the the great essence of all this is, you know, there is hope. Uh, you know, the soldiers of today don't – know. some still wear the camouflage and the khakis, but a lot of the soldiers today that are working on behalf of, you know, the regular folk that move this country and make it work every day – um you know those soldiers are in suits and ties, and so they have to either through uh, uh, a regulation or lawsuit uh try to maneuver through all the loopholes uh of these new regulations that are rolled out and and that becomes very costly so uh, it it's very difficult, but there is hope on on the horizon you I know there that. is uh there are some things happening like i said the c c t a is been making some headway uh, in forcing CARB to actually sit down with the stakeholders and discuss things. New Jersey EPA uh, shortly, uh, just a few months ago after the last article came out, uh, actually created a waiver program. So someone with financial burden that had to participate in this program uh otherwise hold up you know they would be held hostage and they would have to turn their truck in or go to work for somebody else can actually apply uh to the New Jersey DEP for a waiver and a and a plan that's going to say hey instead of doing this I'm going to try to do this in the meantime let me build up my my war chest and let me get some good work so then I can be a proactive citizen and and Slowly engage in trends in the way that government would like people to go. So there are there are those breakouts happening.
2: Well, uh, I, mean, I, I just wanted to say a quote that I found very okay. interesting because I know the drivers listening are are really going to um, agree with this. It says uh, the only thing government knows how to do is taxes to death and create new laws that keep bureaucrats and officials in office. If they had to live six days a week on the road for the meager margins the trucking industry makes, I'm sure things would be different. And I guess a gentleman, Weiss, uh, said that. Is that correct?
1: Eddie, uh, Eddie Weiss actually um, it was a, uh, a guy here in northern New Jersey that was in a carrier owner-operator. He had a couple trucks where he actually did... Um, Uh, work out of the intermodals, uh, the ports of New Jersey, and as soon as this stuff got ushered in, he pretty much lost a lot of his business, so uh, he ended up having to go and and contract more inland with with companies where it was okay to use an older truck, and... um, and so he ended up moving on to that. And, and with all these other new regulations, the guy said, you know, enough's enough. I've got to think about hanging up my hat and moving on. And, you know, it's unfortunate he's right. You know, if if, um, if the people that are making these rules had to live with the decisions that are made, things would be very different. But the fact of the matter is most of these people making these laws and regulations, they they are not people that have to brunt the cost of these decisions and they're not people that have to uh deal with the repercussions of it you know they create more law so that they can justify their tenure and i think that's appalling and so does most of the owner operators that we had discussion with around these issues
0: well why i mean it does seem you know we're trying to move into a european state i mean you you write here the current uh, industry average profit margin is less than 7%. So with this war on trucking and high gear, uh, with the national health care uh, coming into effect in January of 2014, the HOS, the emissions compliance, it's only going to get worse. And we know for a fact that in many parts of the U.K., owner-operators don't even exist anymore. The regulations push, push them out. I mean, is this to say that uh, – These environmental groups and these safety groups—they have so much power that they can change an entire industry like that, and they don't uh, uh, even—the industry doesn't have enough strength to push back. I mean, are are we—are we—are they trying to push out owner operators in this country like they do in the UK? And if so, I mean, what's the what's the reason behind it?
1: Well, I mean, I I think that it's a, one of the reasons why it is being done. I mean, it's acknowledged that it is something that's been in drastic effect for a while now is to get the smaller guy off the road. <clears throat> Larger carriers benefit when that happens. It's the truth. When they have less competition, they benefit. On the downside, now they have to pay to more regulation, <clears throat> so... You know, they have these owner operators have no choice but to take the job. The government at bay basically says, look, you know, if you could comply with this, if you were a legitimate small business, you would be able to deal with these matters appropriately. And if you can't, go out of business, go get the go get a job somewhere, uh, and that just builds our case as the government uh that you weren't fit to be in business for yourself in the first place. Now I think that's a poor argument, but that's the stance that gets taken often. Um what they tend to forget is that uh small business makes up eighty percent of our economic engine here in America.
4: Oh, and so a... you can only
1: you can only shun out so many small businesses before you uh, dilute your income center. So you get rid of all the owner-operators, you get rid of all the small businesses and the small warehousers, and what will happen is uh, your, your income, uh, your taxable income that you're, you're getting out of these businesses is diminished. And so now once the, all those guys are out and, and gals are uh, no longer behind the wheel uh, of their big rig, you know what's left to go back after all the Fortune 500 companies that are left. So I, I think it's um, you know uh, shooting themselves in the foot, and I think that there is going to be a um, a transition uh, where owner operators start to uh, change their business model. As we've spoken with uh, quite a few, where they become more specialized, they they have longer. Uh, more intensive contract agreements that uh, ups their rates where they get to basically own and operate instead of just leasing and being a 1099 contractor. And that's really going to kind of take some of the argument away from uh, government. So it's going to be this push-pull mechanism for quite some time.
0: Well, that's exactly what they'll have to do, because I was going to bring up the same thing. You know, 80%, 85% or so uh, of the uh, businesses in this country are your small entre- entrepreneurship, so you take that away. So really, Donna, it's like um, I wrote about that a couple years ago. I pushed it out there where it was all about building a monopoly within the industry, and that sounds exactly uh, uh, what Samuel said they were heading to. So, yeah, a lot of
2: people, you know, I've been hearing this for a while. They're trying to drive owner-operators out. I remember the when we had our convention in um 2011, we had a gentleman from Norway uh attend. We had two two people from Nor- three people from Norway attend actually. And one of them was a professional driver and he said that he saw the writing on the wall in the US just like Europe. Um what's happened over there he said there really aren't any owner operators in Europe any longer so he wanted to get up and speak and we were going to um we were going to allow him to share his knowledge with the group and i think he just kind of was a little intimidated so he never did get up in front of the audience uh to share all that but i mean that was back in 2011 and uh so
0: yeah he said he said uh if we didn't do anything, anything uh, soon about it, that it was going to happen here. But Samuel, you're saying, uh, I mean, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. They're just going to have to change their business model and uh, uh, get more creative. And I mean, it's a good thing to get away from this uh, lease contractor anyway. But they're just going to have to change their business model in order to survive. Apparently, what's what's uh, what's coming, and when the national health care hits full blown in January fourteenth. What what do you see happening?
1: Well, you know, I think what's gonna happen is a lot of guys uh and gals out there that are behind the wheel that are their owner operators. You're gonna have a uh you're gonna have some people that hang up their hat, uh, many people that are close to retirement are gonna say enough's enough. But I think some of the younger generation carrying on the legacy of that little bit of rebellion and saying you know, entrepreneurs are what made America so great, I think you're going to see a little pushback from them. And I think given the opportunity, they're going to really excel in making their point and and uh, being able to, to work their, themselves through this. And uh, in, in aiding them in their cause, one of the things that we've managed to do with our uh, proposed tax provision is to offer fleets – uh, a uh, tax credit voucher, uh, so that they can become compliant with a piece of technology that has a good track record, and everybody wins. And so you're creating the jobs, you're keeping owner operators on the road, they become competitive with the uh, larger shippers again, and you and you end up having a, a prosperous economic uh, engine that's very competitive. And you know in our marketplace, we really have lost a lot of our competitive edges uh that provide freedom of choice and again, it's because of uh you know some of these agencies that are coming in with police powers making all the rules and taking your freedom of choice away and giving given the opportunity, I think you know the the innovation and the business engineers uh you know that they will deliver uh guarantee it they'll they'll deliver, and and being able to take that power away from uh, an agency and being able to put it back in the uh, legislation uh, and by the people with the people for the people and let those representatives decide what's best for their own backyard, uh, that will make a huge wave in trending this thing uh, where it needs to be.
0: Well, you're you're just you're into so you're just all over the place. Where do um, I mean the service that you provide for the the compliance and what you were just speaking of? I mean, where do uh, where do people go to uh, find more find out more about that?
1: If uh, they can go to our website extremeenergysolutions.net, they can actually uh, send they can sign up for a quote, uh, and if they even give us an LOI saying, look, I, I'm interested in this thing to go on so many vehicles uh, it, it base, uh, contingent on the tax credit. Uh, by gosh, we will do everything we can to make sure that those people are on the list uh, so that they're in line to be able to get, <clears throat> get our product on their truck.
0: Okay, so ExtremeEnergySolutions.net. Uh so that's really your your main site and you can be contacted through that and that's that's the uh, that's the website they all they they need to know. That's correct. Okay, extremeenergysolutions.net. Um okay, Donna, we're going to go to part 3 anything else on part 2 that you Oh, I, I, t- now maybe I missed it, but I'm real curious about this legislation reclassifying owner operators full-time employees. Where is that at right now?
1: Um, that's still, um, that's still a moving target. Uh, I know that, uh, after the fiscal cliff package was, uh, uh, was on the fourth, the fiscal cliff issue was on the forefront. A lot of these issues kind of were subordinate to that. Uh, right now with the fiscal cliff package, uh, being what it was, is really a temporary bandaid. Uh, the next big, issue in Congress is dealing with the comprehensive tax code uh, that hasn't been redealt with since 1986. So along the way, there's been a lot of piecemeal and provisions and add-ons to other bills, but this particular code's never been rewritten in the manner that it's necessary to be written for, to, uh, for today's economic climate. <clears throat> so that's really been taking a forefront, uh front stage and some of these other issues have kind of been whisked to the side and it's very quiet uh you know the uh DOT is still pushing their agenda uh because it will generate obviously through enforcement revenue uh but um you know there's very little talk about this right now uh because the comprehensive tax code actually uh with the sequester being what it was forced that to come uh, as the next big agenda item,
0: <laughs> all kinds of problems going on in there. Do you have a Do you have a reference number for that le- legislation? Do you know it by chance?
1: Uh, for the tax bill, not yet, but we will in the in the next couple, couple months.
0: Okay. Um, don- you can Donna actually instant-
1: go on the Ways and Means uh, Committee website of the House of Representatives, and oh
2: yeah,
1: that is their. They're a big point. You'll even see our official submission uh as well as many others uh for uh for consideration uh on these matters.
0: And you uh I mean you're pretty active in Washington DC too. I don't know if we've touched on so much of that. I mean uh is again that's that what you do there in Washington is has mo- is mostly um dealing with the emission controls and things like that.
1: Well, a lot of what we do is we educate members um, that these issues are important too, uh, because it's important to let our uh, our elected officials know of hey how their decision is going to affect their own backyard, and so we found that when you inform and create public awareness to members of the Hill, uh, they can better make. Uh, they can make better decisions on behalf of their constituents. So we took a proactive approach because of all the barriers uh, through these different EPA and whatnot that would not allow for innovation to be adopted. You know, it was time to start saying, hey, you know, why are you commanding the marketplace? I thought that's why we had a free market. So uh, bringing these arguments to the table Who's going to appreciate them the most Is your local legislator Your congressman or senator So we decided to start uh, Educating members on the Hill About what we do The, the actual benefit uh, For them Which is job creation If it is a free market Let the free market decide Who's the winners and losers And uh so we're there often uh, educating members on the Hill about what we do and the social good that we provide. We hire a lot of veterans, uh, which is a hot topic uh, because you have all these folks that have sacrificed their lives uh, for our freedoms and they come home displaced uh, with issues. Their jobs are gone. They need new training. So we work with a, with quite a few groups and helping people uh, regain entry into the marketplace, uh, whether it be with our company or other companies that we know that hire a lot of veterans. Uh, we're there because some of our clients uh, are also in the D.C. area. Uh, some of our larger Fortune 500 business fleets that we service have vehicles uh, all over the Northeast and the East Coast, and they also have depots and whatnot to service the Washington D.C. C. metro area. So we're there servicing some of our clients. We're also uh we also have our credentials to be able to do business with the federal government uh as a GSA provider. So there's always a lot of moving parts uh <clears throat> and DC has become a very interesting place <clears throat> because the, many members of the world come there to find out what is the latest and greatest idea. So we've been invited to business delegations that came from foreign countries that are doing discovery to uh, solve their own issues. And so we're there um, in support of those delegations and provide uh, provide some solutions to some of their challenges that they're having in their country.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, Well, Donna, do you have anything else on Part 2?
2: Oh um, no no I'm I'm kind of looking over um, part three right now um, it's all very I keep going back and forth actually I have all three pages opened up yeah you
0: have to kind of read all this uh, two or three times to absorb it all but Samuel we'll go to your last part trucking part uh, war on trucking part three the battlegrounds um, does that really just kind of bring it all together and points toward CARB and the EPA.
1: Yeah, uh, what what I tried to do in this was kind of show that there is hope, and and I wanted people to be able to see where, you know, these contentious discussions, whether it be via court or public forums, are going on. So if they have interest uh, in in taking a proactive approach, not feel like a victim, but actually become an actual stakeholder and voice their opinion or their concern, they might be able to 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 become involved and. Uh, Be able to address that. So if they're in California and they don't like what's going on there, um, you know, call up the CCTA and say, look, you know, here's my concerns and, you know, let me write a letter stating what I feel or let me go to the stakeholder meeting and be able to get my two minutes opinion into the regulators that are writing the policy uh or you can when EPA has their stakeholder meetings uh, or are asking for uh requests for information you know uh people are able to go and provide content on exactly their their uh position and things and so this was a way to kind of identify all the moving targets and be able to if people were interested in partnering up on these targets they could actually go and um and participate and and take a proactive stance in changing things.
2: All right, I'm sitting here kind of looking through it. I I wanted to oh, go ahead. I I noticed a, a a name in part 3, Joe Rajkovat. I I hope I didn't mess his name up too. <laughs> um uh, is is this the gentleman I'm pretty sure it is who was with OIDA for so many years?
1: I <clears throat> I believe he is. Um Oh. Yeah, he's the uh director of government affairs and communications for the CCTA.
2: Okay. All right, so that's where he went. It's it's uh I'm just reading something he said. This is the most important case in the industry's uh generation, the Ports of Los Angeles tried to regulate interstate commerce on what is considered public property, which is a dangerous thing. So, um that's his uh that's his take on that.
1: And where he was coming from was that, was the issue that he was kind of getting at was, you know, if, if this is allowed in California where you have to buy uh, extra passes to be able to go into the port and you have to do all this other st- regulation, other cities and, and regions will say, hey, that's a model where we can generate more revenue. And so that's where it becomes very dangerous, in the in the effect that now public property it's already supported by tax uh, money and and grant money and has already been kind of paid for a long time ago. Now it comes under this new fee and penalty system, and so that even hurts uh, small truckers even more. And so that's where this becomes very important. You're basically fighting for. What you already pay for, and and <clears throat> that's where uh, the rubber really meets the road. No pun intended.
2: Right, right. I, well, a, a question. I mean, I I hear a lot of drivers say, "I'm not even going to go to California." I remember when we had our our moving business. <clears throat> Excuse me. We wouldn't go to California. Remember, Alan? Um. Yeah, it wasn't so
0: much for that, but it was. Uh well i think we ended up going a few times but i mean things have uh, things have really increased uh worse since that time so yeah many many drivers are just refusing to go in
2: i mean is, is there a danger that if they put so much you know burden on truckers that they're just you know going to have a difficult time having people go out there
1: well i think what's going to happen um and you're starting to see this happen in some capacity is you'll have some terminals that are right outside the state, Uh, a lot of stuff that's now being developed in Phoenix and Nevada and Washington State. And so carriers will go as far as they can. They'll work with another broker or another carrier, and they'll have special equipment that only stays in California. So who can really afford that is only the larger companies. So you're going to see a lot of the smaller guys, uh if all if all these things go through that the way that carb would like to see them trend, you're gonna see a lot of the bigger carriers have more market share and a lot of the smaller carriers just working with them in tandem for maybe the last uh thousand miles or five hundred miles to deliver the
2: goods okay yeah. well that's that's what I thought, and that's just you know one more way to to reduce them. I mean, this carb
0: thing is. I mean, it's still pretty huge. I mean, it's kind of. A, you don't hear so much about it as it was when it was first coming out, but I mean, it's still a pretty big deal. I mean, the ATA OIDA, they're they're still going after it. I mean, they're debating, you know, whether or not it's against your Fifth Amendment right. I mean, they're handing out fines, uh, you know, upwards to three hundred thousand dollars per enforcement for carb, and all, all this, uh, all this is in your in your article uh part Three, so um I mean this I mean it's I don't know i mean if it's it's not over yet, I mean, I don't see it going away, but I mean, people sure are still fighting it
1: yeah there's um there's you're gonna see a lot more contention in the courtrooms about it uh, again, you're gonna see the larger companies because they can afford to uh to start take a more proactive role and gobbling up all the business that the owner-operators can't participate in. Uh, you're going to see it. Uh, we are are already seeing a shortage of drivers um, because they jockey around trying to make the most money they can with, with a, a particular uh, uh, provider or carrier. And so it, it's really making the industry just an all-out mess. Uh, so, it, you know, again, there is some hope, though uh you know you can only have um the large carriers you can only get so big before you fail and we've seen that where roadway yellow had to merge a few years ago or face bankruptcy
2: uh you
1: you had ups freight buy out overnight it was it had to be done uh you had some entities actually got rid of their entire fleet and sourced it out uh so you're seeing a lot of these Everybody's trying to find their way. In essence, uh, in doing so, in trying to meet all these regulatory pieces and be profitable, you almost kind of need an industry reset and take a look at uh, what makes the most economic sense and environmental sense uh, without alienating what what country needs. And um, so that's it, it's going it, to – within the next couple of years, I think you're going to see – uh a, a lot more debate and with using social media uh the internet the forums uh you're going to see more and more owner operators start to take a position uh that they've had enough and and they want to uh maintain their business and they're going to take a proactive stance to do that
0: yeah i i think you're right and we're already seeing that quite a bit i mean there in the chat guys saying. Uh, Jeff saying uh, this is his last year, and he's just one of many that I've heard. You know, hey, you know he's getting out, but um, uh, I like how you sum it all up, and you know, just changing their build, building uh, business model, and adapting, and and you know, p- perhaps they can still go on. But you know, listen, this uh, this three part series of War on Trucking is pretty incredible. I, I really enjoyed it. And what's uh, what's on your uh, upcoming agenda? What are you working on now? Where are you headed? And what's uh Samuel Burlam up to next
1: well the uh our our next big thing is working with commercial fleets and getting a letter intent uh contingent on uh the uh the tax provision that we've proposed to go through uh that will aid in bringing companies into compliance with ver- with very little or no cost and then what happens is you've got congress in essence in a indirect way uh saying hey here 's an innovation that 's good uh and it can it 's already proved itself in the field, and we we're going to help make that happen and and so now truckers will have a choice and the next piece of that uh, we're we're looking also to work with vehicle manufacturers as well in aiding them in ushering in the ability for them to adopt choices uh instead of being forced. Uh To utilize just one thing because, uh, again every year make model engine is different, and it's not a one shoe shoe fits all so that's a a big part of what we're working on now um, as far as the uh, journalism piece goes i'm I'm starting to uh look into uh some of the uh how trucking and farming has been tied together and how they've been kind of working together uh and how one does really affect the other and and what are some of the same points that they both have to deal with in order to make their business viable um so that's a that's one of the projects that uh we're looking into uh getting published in the near future
0: and that will be on uh the dot com uh under your um uh what is it, the the uh the green lane the green lane
1: that's correct.
0: All right, and that's a uh, that's a publication online publication for just uh, what four or five cities in the, in New Jersey, but it's uh it, it's it's pretty big. I mean, it's out there all over the place. But it, I have it right, thealternativepress.com.
1: That's correct. It actually covers 42 towns.
0: Oh, uh, 42.
1: Yeah, throughout the it's it has been rapidly growing. Uh, they have a business model to be able to go to coast to coast. Uh, within the next few years. And so, um, uh, you know, they're all about getting the local news in your own backyard and sharing the points that affect all of us so that we can take a proactive approach in informing ourselves with the facts. And, And if there's something that we feel we need to do and take an action step that will change things in a positive manner, then you've got information that you can do that with without getting all kinds of crazy opinions or mudslinging or any of those things. So um, it's very different than a lot of the other media out there. Um, it's it's purely objective and, and not subjective and uh, based on fact and, and interview. Uh, you know, the, both sides are represented in every piece that I write. And so, you know, the argument, you know, you be the judge um as the reader of what what perspective do you want to take
0: yeah well it's great reading i really i I really enjoyed reading it and um uh i'll just i just continue to follow you because i'm glad i uh got to know you a little bit maybe i'll meet you one of these days you know our time's winding down i know you're a busy guy but um you know i really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join us this evening i i really appreciate it hope to meet you one of these days
1: Absolutely. I, I you know, I get behind the wheel to uh you know, drive coast to coast myself, not in a big rig, but uh, you know, uh to meet my clients. Uh I believe in that good old fashioned uh get to know who you're doing business with, shake their hand, have a cup of coffee, talk it over. Uh so I do travel coast to coast
0: and uh and
1: and so I'm out there and um I make myself readily available.
0: Well now I know you're I mean you're in stock car racing you're also a stock car driver uh when do you find time to drive
1: Uh you try to find time uh you know being a regional uh competitor the schedule is a lot less uh than if you were a national competitor so we uh, you try to find time you know it's taken a little bit of a backseat so we kind of go once in a while right now uh We were actually participating up to about two years ago, just about every weekend uh in the season, which is about twenty weekends twenty five weekends in the season so um you know these this year and last year a lot of that kind of took a back seat, but we still go now and then to keep our uh, keep our nose in the community and and have one leg in the community and still keep our contacts uh uh You know, good and and our relationships uh, together so that in the future we can go back to that and and have our fun again once all the hard work is done.
0: I hear you got to do that. So, well, listen, I really enjoy your readings and uh, I really appreciate it again. Thanks again for being our guest. Uh, We'll uh, try to stay in touch with you.
1: All right, thank you. It's an honor to be on your show.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks. And, uh, uh, uh I got somebody beeping in there Donna but uh, I know the phone's been beeping all <laughs> I know the phone and fax and uh, nothing stops but uh he's um uh, well he's a good guy you know I, I I first time I've talked with him and uh but you know the more and more I I, I got to read about him studying him you know I came up and told you I said look you really need to you really need to check this guy out. This is a—he's he, a pretty amazing guy.
2: Yeah, I did, and and that's what I was saying. I could read, you know, not only you know the knowledge and understanding, but the passion behind what he does, and uh, that always gets people to move in a further direction than the average person because their goals are so much uh, extensive, and they try to reach other people and do good for other people so uh that's that's the part that really um impressed me and and like i said i've read now pretty much all three of uh of these but i want to read like you said you have to read them once and then go back and read them again and then that's kind of where i'm at right now plus two i want to continue on that alternative what is the name of that uh newspaper again the
0: uh the alternative com. okay Okay. And uh, you can probably just type in uh, thealternativepress.com, uh, Samuel Burlam, or The War on Trucking, and uh, or The Green Lane, The Green Lane. Right. That's the heading that it's under, and you'll find all his articles. But, yeah, I mean, I've read them three times. You just really have to take your time and go through it and absorb it. And it's very in-depth, very well written, and um, it's pretty amazing stuff, um, we'll have to uh, uh stay in touch with this guy I'm, i i've never had anybody call me the next steve jobs so you know but but he, he nice guy smart guy just um i just got to following him a few months or so ago and kind of reading his articles and you know, I finally thought, you know, man, I, I put a note on my desk. i got to get a hold of this guy and get him on. We'll try to have him on again. And, um,
2: definitely, definitely. I'd love to have him on again. I want to talk a little bit more. He didn't even talk about the, what is it, Extreme? What? It's ExtremeEnergySolutions.net.
0: And um, the uh yeah, it has to do with uh, engine combustion, and I, uh, I think it's kind of some kind of fuel, t- uh, fuel treatment. And I've seen things similar to that that, I mean, it really, really worked. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing stuff. So uh, we might have to get them back on to more to talk about that. I mean, we had a three-part series. We had so much to go over here and we went through it here pretty quick but i i think we covered it pretty good but I think so yes it's extremeenergysolutions.net and you can also um everything about them is up there and and uh you know there was all kind of photos of the start car races and engines and and everything the the green energy and uh, it, it's so it, it's so much to absorb. That's the thing, you know. You just have to keep going back and looking and looking, and that's what really caught my attention. Like, you know, wow, look 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 at look at what this guy's doing. You know, it's pretty amazing stuff. But that's that's the website. So, okay. Uh, but listen, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with Donna's announcements. Uh, it's been a while, and to wrap up uh, this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of ZADA, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers. Owner operators and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, Sort, view, and analyze data to help lower cost, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug and play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at XRS Core. XRSCorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at XRSCorp.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is, and many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since truck were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-off business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, The Truck Is Yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, builds, International's, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys with the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com.
4: the road loving my family from a cell phone nobody understands can't get no helping hand lord have mercy on the the trucking brain.
3: you're listening to truth about trucking live on blog talk radio now back to the show
0: Okay, Donna. Well, it's been a while, so catch us all up here. What's going on?
2: Well, our biggest... um... (laughs) Caught you off guard, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was just (laughs) closing out about 1,000 windows I had open on the computer. Um, (laughs) Our biggest thing right now is we did release the National Truck uh, Parking Survey. And what this is, this is all a part of a... uh, Investigation that the DOT had on Map 21 and the transportation bill uh, when Jason's Law was passed into uh, law for more safe truck parking, it was uh, required that they do a survey and determine uh, which states and cities need more parking. Uh, well, Hope Brevenberg, who everyone knows, uh, the crusader for Jason's Law, uh, decided that if there's going to be a, a parking survey, truck park survey, that that the drivers should be the ones who participate in this. They should be the voices in this. Uh, of course, we didn't know how DOT was going to be doing their survey. Um, I'm sure it would be reaching out to drivers also. But anyway, um, hope uh, you know we started talking to her about her idea, and before you know it. Uh, we had already decided that truck parking was going to be uh, a topic of presentation at our uh, convention in Har- at Harris in October in Kansas City, so we figured, well, this is perfect. Uh, well, on board with the presentation is uh, Richard Wilson of Trans Products and Andy Warkaba of Airdock and Warkaba and Associates, who have the um, skill and knowledge to help with this, getting it together, interpreting results, and helping Hope with her presentation. Uh, Also on the research and uh, meetings that we've had every week and helping uh, Hope is Desiree Wood of the Women Truckers Network and Sandy Talbot, who's a veteran driver, also with the Women Truckers uh, Network. And uh they've been working uh on the and see there's another part of this survey which nobody sees. Uh the online survey that everybody's taking now, which I'll tell you a little bit more more about that in a minute. Uh hope's also doing another part which is called the driver focus. And these drivers are actually taking notes and pictures and you know sending them over They're part of a closed group on Facebook where they share their information and that is also going to be part of the presentation besides the survey that's going up nationally and I want to tell you that since uh we made that link live and it's been it's been a little more than 48 hours it's been about 50 hours since it went live uh the last time I looked there was over 600 responses to that survey, which is phenomenal, because it's only really been out on the Ask the Trucker blog. Uh, Overdrive Magazine did pick it up. Todd Dills wrote a great article on it. Um, I'm not sure if OIDA has their article out. Um, we did speak to them, and they were going to put the survey up uh, uh, up there. But in 48 hours to have over 600 responses, you know this is an issue that drivers are passionate about, and uh, we do thank hope for taking this uh this step and motivating everybody, inspiring everybody to take it to the next level so um again, thanks hope for you know four years of inspiration. Uh, and hard work lobbying in Washington uh, like you did. Um, Which brings me to the convention because she is going to be there presenting um, uh, all the results and data. And that is uh, October 11th through 13th in Kansas City, Missouri at Harris, same place we had it last year. Our other speakers this year are Jim Bouchard of Think Like a, a Black Belt, and he's a tremendous motivational speaker, and uh, he speaks all over the country, um, all all kinds of uh, corporations and uh, just people who need to have this motivation behind them. Uh, again, Hope Rivenberg, along with Rich Wilson and Andy Warcaba, will be presenting the Truck Parking Shortage and the uh, Jason's Law and the Truck Parking Survey. And Jeff Barker, who is with OIDA and a columnist for Landline Magazine, Uh, he's going to be speaking to everybody about the truck driver shortage and truck driver wages and kind of uh, bring it all together because everything is pretty much related.
0: He's going to bring it all together from a driver's perspective.
2: Exactly. And uh, I've spoken to um, Jeff, and it sounds like it's going to be a tremendous presentation. So we're looking forward to that
0: you know it's going to be interesting because i always hear from you know you know people like our sponsors and attendees you know they're always saying uh well we we really want to know what the drivers think we want to know what hear what the drivers have to say uh well they're they're going to hear it this year
2: right and you know i mean i know so many people express these opinions and it's you know common knowledge with a lot of the the drivers within the industry However, it needs to be out there for everybody to hear and of course you know we do videotape everything so it'll be great to have that on uh videotape as well as hope in uh Jim's uh presentation.
0: Well, you know a big idea behind this convention is to uh continue the onslaught of awareness, you know, not and you know yeah, drivers know a lot of all this already but the the mainstream media and the general public do not. So that awareness factor is still a big big part in this convention
2: exactly i mean and that is like the number one uh thing to to really look at the awareness factor and then you combine that with social media because that's how people become aware the more um more active they are in social media the the more in tune they are to what's going on um you know the whole hashtag deal and everything which we're hoping you know we can uh, expand on at the convention even more to share with people how to get your word out there more. So, exactly, that's exactly what this is when um, we call it a truck driver social media convention. It's awareness. So, if you just replace that social media with awareness, you could call it the truck driver awareness convention. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
2: you know, um, uh, also this year again is the Pride in Your Ride truck contest. Uh, big prizes and trophies sponsored by um, uh, Dan Harmon of KC Trucker and Rides uh, & Rigs Magazine.
0: Yeah, that, that was so cool last year. It was. I wanted one of those trophies, but I didn't have a truck.
2: I know. The, it was. If you go to the um, website, you can click on the link for the photos and and see all the prizes. Cobra um, gave some awesome prizes last year for the top three winners. Uh, uh in that contest so you can see all of that i mean gpss cbs things like that so if you are attending you want to basically shine up your truck have it look real pretty because uh that's what the contest is about it's not about how much chrome you have or how fan- it's how well you maintain your truck
0: <laughs> well all these rough mail drivers are they're, they're saying do we have to call it pretty
2: Yeah. Well, we'll have it looking nice. We'll call it pride. Pride is pride. And. And by the way, you know, this year there's almost ten thousand dollars in prize giveaways to drivers this year. Uh when you combine uh Cobra is now a gold sponsor and Go Truck Stop is going to be uh sending in a lot of uh prizes.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean nice things too. I mean when we talk about GPS, we're talking about, you know, five hundred dollar GPSs. I mean they've they Cobra's, you know, Go Truck Stop they've they've really stepped up and they they just uh, uh provide these uh giveaways it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I just want to say that this is Cobra's third year with us and um they're they're just wonderful. This is Go Truck Stop's second year. They're also the sponsor, uh they're a bronze sponsor and they're also a sponsor for the Jason Rybinberg Making a Difference Award. So they're a dual sponsor again this year, both with gifts and the uh prize for the winner of the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference Award, which I I guess I could go right into that because um, we need to start the voting. Uh, Just like you're taking that survey, which we so appreciate, um, there's a voting going on, three candidates. Uh, This will only take you one minute. Uh, to check off the box which candidate you want to uh, vote for for this award. There's Randall Doan of the Dre- Deaf Truckers United group. Randall's very active with um, the FMCSA and uh, his group explaining the r- different things going on with the deaf uh, community and how they could get things changed. As a matter of fact, they did have uh, a, a big thing changed with the FMCSA, 40 out of 45 drivers received an exemption, which was a first ever uh, for the uh, deaf community. So he was a big part of that, um, along with quite a few others within the Deaf Truckers United Group. Uh, Richard Wilson of Trans Products and Services, uh, he's another candidate, and everybody pretty much knows Rich. Um, They go to him for regulatory advice and questions, and he's always out there to uh, help people understand the new rules. He he writes for Trans Products and Trans Services, their newsletter, which you can sign up for um, on the Trans Products and Services site, so you're up to date on all the new regulations. Um, also, we have Kathy Cass of A Trucker's Wife, who is uh, incredibly active within the trucking community, again, giving advice and uh, Support. Support. That's the word I was. You knew I was looking for. Oh
0: yeah, I can read your mind.
2: You 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 really can. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: kind of scary, isn't it? It
2: is. Okay. (laughs) So yes, she gives support to uh, to to people in the industry, whether the drivers, their wives, uh, families, whatever it is. She she seems to always be there to lend that helping hand. So these are our three candidates this year. Um, You can go. Right now, uh, Alan, do we have this up on Ask the Trucker, this Making a Difference Award voting? or I, I don't believe so. Okay, that's the survey we have up there. Yeah. The survey, if you want to take the survey, that's on Ask the Trucker. And you just click on Ask the Trucker, and you see on the right, uh, take the the truck parking survey. But this here, right now, we have it on Facebook. But we will make a little box and uh, banner. Well, I won't. Alan will, because I don't know how. And uh, it'll be, it'll take you right to the voting uh, for the Making a Difference Award. And now the tickets this year are $99 again, so they haven't gone up. And it does include your Friday evening welcome reception, which is a hoot, I have to say. And um, last year people did not want to leave this, and we only had the room for like an hour and a half. And I know everybody was so upset because they were having such a good time. It was an incredible amount of food uh, at this um, the buffet. It was top quality, too. But we have extended that now to three hours this year, so everybody's going to have a ball for this Friday night welcome reception. Um, On Saturday and Sunday, it includes um, more buffets and in-between refreshments, uh, speaker presentations and the information they uh, give out. There's free truck parking and free entry into the Pride in Your Ride Truck Contest, and uh, also we'll have uh, a little networking with all the sponsors there they'll have their tables and they can share their information with you um which leads me to our sponsors this year
0: yeah couldn't do it without them
2: i we absolutely cannot um let's see we have uh cobra xrs lone mountain go truck stop trucker lawyers oida Transport Watch, Real Women in uh, Will, Real Women in Trucking, Bling Master, Max Therapy, Trucker to Trucker, The Truckers Forum, Truck Driver Money Saving Tips, Lake Cumberland Truck Drive Driver Training School, and Mother Trucker Supplies. So these are our sponsors uh, this year, and we have a, a couple of more in the works. And of course, as soon as they come on board, we'll announce them for you next uh, next week.
0: Yeah, and that one is Lake Cumberland CDL training. And you know, everybody's always asking, what's well, a good CDL school? Well, there's one right there.
2: Yeah, uh, and they're real. They were there last year. Uh, they have a fine program. And if everybody knows, you know, CDL training is like a a little, you know pet thing of of ours so uh in order to be on board with this um and comply with the honesty and transparency and integrity theme that we hold so dearly to um you you really have to have a top-notch school which which they do so again lake cumberland truck driver uh, training um what is their website alan
4: uh, oh,
0: I don't have it in front of me, but it's on the. Just go to the. Go to media dot com and click on sponsors and scroll down, and you'll see their banner there. Uh, Lake Cumberland Cdl Training. That'll take you right to their site.
2: Right. Matter of fact, all our sponsors are on there. You can get to their site just by clicking on any one of them. Um, let me see. Did I miss anything? I explained the tickets. They're only ninety nine dollars. You can get them right on the website. Um, especially if you are a part of this um, truck driver survey, I, I really, I mean, besides the fact that it's a tremendous event to go to, and not one person I know that has gone in the last two years hasn't walked away saying how, how tremendous it was. But the fact that this presentation from Hope Rivenberg, I mean, it, I can't wait until this data is all out there and shows what's going on. Yeah, the the
0: DOT can't wait either.
2: I know. (laughs) Uh, That's another thing. Um, When DOT found out Hope was doing this, they actually contacted her. And she set up a meeting with them in Albany, New York, with Congressman Tonko, who, as everyone knows, was the initiator. Uh, He introduced this bill to the House back in 2009, uh, just less than a month after Jason Rivenberg was murdered. Um, So this is really, you know, an emotional thing. for for us, and we do hope that you can participate in experiencing and witnessing the results of this National Truck Parking Survey and also to support Hope uh, because I know she's touched by um, all the people who have already taken the survey, and it's only been two days. So um, I I can't even predict how many people will finally be um, taking that survey, but I know it's going to be a bunch. And I know they're going to have a lot of data to go through. I'm glad I'm not on that end. Uh, but anyway, um, that's it. If if you do want to be a sponsor, you know, you can just uh, in, info at truckingsocialmedia.com. And uh, we can talk about the spots that are available uh, for you. And you can be a part of supporting professional drivers at this event. Uh, and, and the website www.truckingsocialmedia.com, and I do hope I get to see everybody out there. Um, it is limited to 500, so um, I hope everybody gets their ticket soon.
0: <laughs> all right, that's it. That's that's
2: it. Yeah, that's that's for me.
0: Okay, sounds good. And uh, all right, thanks again to Samuel Burlam of ExtremeEnergySolutions.net for joining us this evening, and you can read his three-part series, The War on Trucking, by visiting all three links within our show's description. And be sure to, book, uh, to uh, bookmark us and add us to your favorites so you'll be notified of our upcoming shows. And And visit our sponsors. They are the ones who keep us going here on Blog Talk Radio. So until next time, on behalf of Donna Smith, TruthAboutTrucking.com, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, Blog Talk Radio, And Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, drive safe, and hey, thanks for listening.
4: I've been driving these rigs since 79. Never got a ticket, never crossed the line. Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold. Gotta get going, I've got freight too low Well, I was running through Atlanta doing 58 A four-wheeler cut me off, so I slammed my brakes. Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right And I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the the trucking brand I was fighting the wheel and the next thing I know I hit the sidewalk and over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream. Burning hot metal flying all around me. Well, I laid there for a minute, living out of my head. Not knowing if I was alive or dead. The highway patrol said, let me give you a hand. Then he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants. I'm just trying to make a living. Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the The trucking brand They Looked at me And my burning rig Checked out the damage That was done to the bridge Feeling a little crazy And dizzy in the head Barely heard the words That officer said Ten thousand dollar fine And your CDL is gone Better call your mama To come take you home Three million miles Never a glitch The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the The trucking brand